The person in charge of running the BC NDP leadership race uh, is recommending Anjali Apadurai be disqualified from the contest, something Richard Zussman broke last night on the news hour and what we were talking about uh, just a few minutes ago prior to the break. Now, if the party's executive takes the recommendations from Elizabeth Call, it would mean David Eby is the only eligible candidate and would become BC's next premier. And as Richard Zussman told us prior to the break, the party executive meets at 6 p.m. to do uh, discuss and vote on Ms. Epidurai's um, uh, leadership hopes. Uh, she is uh, under investigation for multiple breaches of the party's leadership rules. Joining us now is Michael Gardner. He's the president of Strategies 360, and he's the former provincial director of the BC NDP party. Michael, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, John. Uh, m- what do you make of this report? Uh, many have said uh, that, look, uh, Ms. Epidurai should have been given the opportunity to move forward. Others have said, no, uh, this is a leadership campaign uh, that broke many rules. Where do you sit on this issue? Well, you know, when I was on your show a couple months ago when these allegations first emerged, I was ready to give uh, Apadurai the benefit of the doubt on these matters. And I I said at the time that I expected a senior, uh, respected person from the party to do a review. And we see that in Elizabeth Call's review. It was detailed, it was thorough, and... It looked to me as though it identified a pattern of rule-breaking, not just by the candidate, but by those acting on her behalf. And, uh, you know, I, I don't see how the party could choose to allow her to go forward in this circumstance. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is wrong with someone like Ms. Apadura, who's going to use her, her network uh, to attract uh, potential party members to vote, uh, and why is uh, she being disqualified when some would argue, look, you want young activists, you want young people engaged? Does this help the party at all? Because my sense is, this is go- isn't this going to alienate an entire generation of, of young activists? I, look, I think there's no question that this is going to create a difficult time for the BCNDP. It's always difficult to disqualify someone, especially who's put in this kind of effort. Uh, but I think David Eby... Uh, is the kind of leader who shares values with a lot of the folks who have backed Anjali Apadurai uh, and is going to be able to, in the months ahead, chart a course that will uh, start to bring the confidence of those folks back to the BCNDP. And, of course, the vast majority of BCNDP supporters support the agenda that John Horgan has taken and support the direction that they expect David Eby to take. Uh, How much of this blame do you think uh, lies at the feet of the party for allowing its membership to remain relatively low, uh, even though they happen to be in power, number one, and the fact that Mr. Eby also didn't, uh, it appears, didn't sign up enough members. Yeah, I mean, David Eby emerged uh, early on as a consensus candidate among his caucus colleagues. And I think because of that, uh, there was a reasonable assumption he made, I think, that uh, there wasn't going to be a gamed leadership race. Uh, And so he wasn't, I don't think, quick to start up his sign-up process, nor was it going to be necessary. Uh, And so that's a factor. Of course, uh, when you have a party that hasn't had a contested leadership race since 2013, membership numbers drop. Uh, And then you had this this campaign by third-party organizations uh, to sign up members en masse, uh, whether or not they support the goals of the NDP, uh, and it changed the nature of the game. So I don't think we can lay this either at the feet of David or at uh, the feet of the party. I think this lies squarely at the feet of not just Anjali Apadurai, but of the organizers 
who broke the rules on her behalf. What does this say to not just the NDP, but other political parties that may have sort of a one member, one vote? You sign up one member, they can vote. Other parties have a weighted system where you choose one riding, where you, let's say, you know, uh, sign up 10,000 people, and another riding where you sign up 200 people, but they weight both of those ridings so they're equal rather than one member, one vote, which the NDP have. In an era today of launching digital campaigns and to be able to reach people much easier, much faster, are parties not susceptible uh, to a takeover? And is it time to, to, to perhaps uh, look at different rules for leadership moving forward? I, I think every party is going to have to do that. Uh, and I think there's going to be some examination of mixed models. Uh, you know, in the European part and in the British Parliament, uh, you have to get a minimum amount of support from your caucus before you can stand for election. Uh, and given one of the key roles of a, of a leader is to lead the caucus, that's not an unreasonable requirement. Uh, so I think we'll see a whole lot of looking at how do parties ensure that true supporters are the ones making the decision about who is going to lead them into the future. Do you think there is a generational battle going on within the NDP when you have people like Ms. Epidurai, her supporters, her strategists, not just in the NDP, but you also see it in civic politics in Vancouver, uh, that younger generation that plays a significant, you know, believes that climate change is part of, should play a significant role in policy making, and those that are perhaps older saying, look, there's got to be a greater balance between industry and climate change and many other issues as well. Um, do you see a generational battle that is brewing behind the scenes among the centre-left in our city and our province? You know, this is, this is a generational gap that has existed uh, as long as I've been involved uh, in the BCNDP, and that's uh, going back more than 30 years. Uh, there's always, and when I was one of the young, enthusiastic environmentalists, uh, and was concerned my party wasn't uh, moving fast enough at the time. Uh, and, you know, over, over time, members learn the value of compromise, uh, but it's not new. It's not new that there is this uh, an enthusiasm for environmental protection among the younger members, uh, and, and, and the social values and the economic values uh, and, the, and the need for balance in a strong economy emerges uh, in the majority of the members over time. That's not new, uh, and... Uh, it's something that I think will continue within the NDP, and it's a healthy tension. I'm going to ask you this question again, and it's my final question. I want to go back to the issue of signing up members. Do you think Mr. Eby would have had any of these difficulties if he had just signed up more members, if he had just gone out and been much more aggressive in chasing members so you didn't have to worry about who Anjali Apadurai signed or where they came from? I mean, honestly, we don't know at this point who signed up how many. And the fundamental question that Elizabeth Call addressed was, is it possible in the way these signups went that illegitimate signups could determine the outcome? Uh, we don't know whether David would win cleanly, uh, Eby would win cleanly, or whether uh, Angeli would uh, if in the absence of these signups. Uh, but we can anticipate that David did fine in the signups. I know he was out doing the work. Uh, and uh, that wasn't the question at the end of the day. The question was, did she break the rules adding members uh, who could then influence an outcome. Michael, thank you once again, my friend. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff.